everybody welcome to big blend radio that was everybody in the world it is the very first track from the brand new album called love wins i mean we need this album right now it is by new age music legend david young and we're super excited to have him here today uh this album is out october 28th 2022 so you're going to want to go to his website davidyoungmusic.com and he also created this album with his friends and he's going to tell us all about it but welcome to the show david how are you Doing great. Nice to see you, Lisa. Hey, you know what? I want to say you've got a good last name. I think we all want the last name Young. I mean, <laughs> I'm Smith, so I'm just saying, you know, but then if you put Smith and Young, that sounds like a gun, yeah. but <laughs> well, anything with a Smith in it. <laughs> I used to be David Younger. Oh, see, there you go. I like it. I like it. Tell us about Love Wins, this album. I, you know, before we started recording, I told you I was, I was all crabby. All these things were happening and, you know, stressed out. And I was like, okay, I got to listen to this. And, you know, because I love to be prepared and hear hear everything, you know. And um, I was just like, oh, I'm suddenly happy. How did you do that? How did you make happy music when the world's kind of crazy right now? Well, I have to tell you, as a songwriter and a producer, it is really much more difficult to write happy songs versus yeah. writing songs like the opposite of happy songs, you know, because um, normally when a musician or an artist um, has to release energy or they want to, the life of an artist is not always the simplest, easiest life. Right. And there's all kinds of ups and downs and roadblocks. And so as in any kind of an artist, you know, artists are always dealing with the ups and downs of life. And usually, unfortunately, there's, there can be a lot more difficult things than happy things to celebrate so you know um one of the things that i've tried to do is that 
I've tried to give people like a positive alternative. You know, all throughout my career, I've been trying to give people a positive alternative because mm-hmm. there's so much, there's so much stuff in the world that is negative. And, you know, I've been meditating for, for mm-hmm. most of my life. And, you know, that reflects in my consciousness and in my art and everything. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to make something that actually didn't have any love songs, didn't have any songs with angst. You know, I just wanted it to be all songs that could give, that people could listen to to help them to have a positive perspective. And some of the songs that are on Love Wins are part of a television show that I have in production right now. It's, It's not done. It's not, you know, it's not even close to any of that. But um, I did between 2014 and 2019. I did 500 meditation events, but I also wow. did, yeah, three or four nights every week. Um, I also, um, besides doing the meditation events, I did 400 psychic readings. Wow, that's a lot. That's draining. Well, it can be draining, but I have a unique kind of a psychic reading and so some of the songs on this album were written from my readings because the the client comes to me it's a 20-minute session and the first five minutes the the client tells me a stumbling block Mm. that's been getting in the way of their happiness it could be something at their job something in their own personality that they wish they could change you know something in their life that is you know that's a struggle for them. And so they tell me that in the first five minutes. And in the second five minutes, I have a pen and pad next to me and I write down a message on this pen, on this pad, a message I get from spirit for this person to help them heal whatever is getting in the way of their happiness. In the third five minutes, I take my guitar and I put it on my lap and I start putting those words that I just channeled into a song in front of them. And then in the fourth five minutes, when I have finished the song, I record that song into my cell phone and I send it to the client. So they leave the session with a healing message, a mantra that is the opposite of what they came in with. You know, the, it's the opposite of whatever their, their struggle, wow. you know what I mean? And so, so many of these songs from Love Wins, that's that's where those songs came from because I wrote 400 of those songs, you know? And so I wanted to put these together in an album. So this way people could use this as a healing tool. That's really interesting because when I listened to a lot of the songs, some took me on like a little journey and some get, I actually felt like I was on an Island, like a Greek Island. And some, I think it's the mandolin that kind of makes me feel like it's like world, world music and positive. Right. But some did feel like a positive mantra. I think one of my favorites went from to, to Troubled Waters, that 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 song, and, and I don't have all of it right in front of me, but I have to, yeah, Troubled Waters, because every day I was like, oh, I love every day. And that seemed like a mantra, but then Troubled Waters, you go into, I was like, how did he put, you know, this beautiful, sweet song and Troubled Waters is next, what? Then I listened to Troubled Waters and then I'm like, oh, we get to have wine. That's positive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you know, every day only the good comes my way. Um, that that song was was written on a day in, in I think it was 2015, but it was a day when 
everything, everything had gone wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, naturally, you know, being human, when everything is going wrong, you know, we normally react in a human way like that. And it got so pathetically ridiculous how wrong everything was getting. I just thought, you know, I need a mantra for myself. And that is every day, only the good comes my way. And I started singing it to myself while I was driving on, you know, on that day. <laughs> and that's how that song came out. And, you know, that song is is the biggest celebration song that, that we play in the set. Um, that I, Yeah, because when I listened to that, I was like, that really resonated. And, you know, immediately is like something to listen to. And it's funny because we always talk about road trip music since we travel full time. And I'm the driver. And... I need the right music for the right thing. And I'm tired of listening to the same playlist that they have on regular radio. And um, so we're always like, oh, this would be a great song for this area because we always kind of connect the music to the setting. It's just one of those things we we do. But um, I was thinking about this like, oh, this is good driving music because it keeps you positive because so much happens on the road where you still have to, you have to kind of let go and that was something I wrote down when I listened to the album. I kind of went, this is like an album that allows you to let go and have some freedom to be. And I think that's a huge thing for people this day and age is to kind of let go. We're all uptight. We get, we, it was like, it's almost like a permission album to let go. That's kind of, you know what I mean? And it's like when you're driving, you can say your things as you get angry at the person in front of you or whatever. But you do need to keep that upbeat and understand. I mean, gee, we can even drive. Have we forgotten how exciting it is to be able to do that? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's interesting, that connection, you know, to me, because that's immediately I was like, ooh, how fun. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Um, one of the things that I wanted to in include in this album is different um spiritual concepts and theories that I teach in my meditation workshops because you know I did 500 meditation workshops called a portal between heaven and earth you know and a lot of people well like between 80 and 85 percent of the people who came to my events over that six years shared a spiritual experience where they um while I was playing the flute and um and they were meditating like their grandmother or their best friend from childhood mm -hmm. appeared to them or, um, you know, somebody who they loved that was now in the heavenly dimension. And um, so that's what the other side of the clouds is about. And that's also what heaven is the place. Um, and the full title is heaven is the place that we all go because um, if you, if you interviewed a hundred people, who had a near-death experience you know mm. 20 40 50 years ago people never talked about those experiences because you'd be the woo -woo. Masses, yeah right yeah. the masses really didn't know what to think about that and anybody who shared anything like that was assumed to be as you say lulu you know but um lulu is the new normal mm. crazy is the new normal all the things that i thought were crazy 20 40 years ago are now normal and people yeah. are talking about them all the time. And so I have, um, I've gotten really involved in a group that's called IANDS, I-A-N-D-S dot org. Okay. And that, and that stands for the International Organization of Near-Death Studies. 
Okay, so I've done music at their at their conventions, you know, their national convention, um, and I've done different programs with them in Chicago and you know Arizona, different places. But the amazing thing about this organization that I found out about just from going to the events, because I did not have a, a near-death experience. People who had near-death experiences who came to my events, my meditation events, hmm. um, very often would say that the most similar sounds and frequency and vibration that they ever felt after they had their near-death experience was the music and the frequency that I created at my portal between heaven and earth events. Okay. Interesting. And one of the phenomenal things that I found out is that um, over the last 40 years, 20 million Americans have had a near death experience that was documented by their nurse or doctor at a hospital. Because when somebody woke up yeah. from a coma or from an operation or or anything, they woke, woke up in a hospital, the first person they usually spoke to was their nurse or their doctor. And so they explained to their nurse or their doctor everything they had experienced on the heavenly side. And for a lot of nurses and doctors, this, what they were told by literally hundreds of their patients during their career, were things that might have gone against their religious upbringing because certain religions teach that unless you follow their religion, you're not going to heaven. Oh, wow. You know? And the thing is, is that these 20 million people who had near-death experiences disproved that because everybody goes to heaven. And um, it's kind of like in this physical world, right? We have um, gravity, right? Mm -hmm. We accept it. There's nobody arguing this, right? Well, at the end of this life, instead of us floating down, we all float up to the heavenly dimension. Cool. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It's, it's, it's a natural thing that we do. You know? See, and that, one that's of the interesting. Yeah. There's a lady we've interviewed on the show. She's also a singer. And she had a near death. She died and came back in, in Austria. Yes. And she said it was the most beautiful experience she's ever had. And came back and Nancy, you know, my mom, she's, she floated above an ambulance. It, she had, it was in a car accident, floated above the ambulance, looking down at her own body. It's kind of this weird thing that happens. Okay. And Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to make believe I didn't hear what you just said about your mom. And I'm going to tell you part of um, something that I say at pretty much every one of my meditation events. If you've ever had one of those flying dreams, those incredible flying oh, yeah, yeah. dreams where mm -hmm. that's, that's the greatest feeling in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. So what somebody experiences in a near-death experience is very similar and actually connected to those flying dreams. Now, and I'll tell you what I mean. So let's just say, let's say there's somebody in a car and let's say there's another car that's about to hit their car. Well, before the other vehicle hits their car, they are so many hundreds and thousands of people have shared this experience that before the other vehicle hits their car, they're transported out of their body above looking down like they're watching a movie. So what you exactly. just said to me about your mom, she was flying above the ambulance. That's exactly what I'm talking about. 
So and is that real so, flying? Like, are you, are, are you, I mean, is your soul at that point really out of your body? Absolutely. Because, so it's like astro traveling in a way, like. You, you could call it astral travel. The only difference now is people that are going to go that they're going to, I'm going to get the woo woo emails now, you know, I'm going to get the, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I have to tell you that the things that used to sound really woo woo 20 and 40 years ago. Yeah, they don't sound that woo anymore. Yeah. And you know, I've been I've been meditating for 39 years. You know, I've been on the spiritual path for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the the thing is, is that there were so many things that when I got into meditation, sounded freaking crazy to me. You know what I mean? Um, because I'd never heard those things. I never heard these kind of conversations. You know, but the thing is, is that now. I call this generation, when I say this generation, the if you want to say like um, people 40 and 50 and up, okay? This generation has grown up what I call it the Oprah generation because so many millions and millions of people watched mm -hmm. Oprah, which talked about different spiritual things in a universal way that everybody could get. So it didn't matter if you were Buddhist or Krishna, Christian right. or... Jewish or Muslim or whatever it was, that didn't that didn't matter. She Oprah was speaking to everybody because as soul, we're, we all have that in common. We all have a soul, you know, and our soul, believe it or not, actually goes in and out of our body through the day and through the night. Right? I agree. And and the only difference between death and life is that in death, we don't come back to our body again. Yeah, you see, every day jumping out. Yeah, every day we jump out, we go for a ride, you know, we take a visit in heaven, you know, like that beautiful area that you have behind you with the blue clouds and everything, you know. Um, I, I do believe in that. Well, I know because I jump out all the time, like I'll, I even driving, right? It's not a good thing. I can actually, I'm outside the body all the time. And it's like, it's weird. Like I'll be in a meeting and suddenly I'm, I'm it's like you're two in one. I don't know how to explain it, whereas you where you know, you're like, I could be talking to you right now. And then it's not happening now, but it could where I'll be having a conversation, but I'm there watching the conversation. That's weird, you know, and you know, you're doing it. And you're like, get back, get back, because now you're being rude. You know what I mean? Where you're, <laughs> yeah. so, you know what I mean? So I know that people think that's weird, but um, I do believe you, your soul, we were I was talking about this with a friend actually the other day about can somebody who is living be in a such a negative place that they leave a energy that it's almost like you're going to get haunted because they've got like bad juju going or whatever's going on that you could walk through a cloud of energy of theirs that kind of freaks you out and you get like the shivers but it's not necessarily a ghost you know what i mean that people do have these energies like so I know you're talking about soul, but I always feel like there's this energy thing that we have that we mm -hmm. leave wherever we go, that there's, I call it, you know, deja vu dust. So when you go back to a place, even if it's all changed, you still have that sense memory of that place yeah. because you've left. Yes. It. Am I being really weird now? <laughs> Listen, it takes a lot more than that for me to say it's weird. Okay. Okay. That, that, that's not weird. It, it really isn't. And it's a good question. You know, like we have that. We've all heard the saying, it's the thought that counts. Right. right? 
So, you know, so when you have a nice, loving thought that you share with somebody and they say, oh, thank you so much. It's a thought that counts. Yeah. I really appreciate it, right? Well, what about all the negative thoughts we think yeah. about people, you know what I mean? And yeah. that, you know, that are going around and in the world, you know? Um, so, yeah, there's negative energy and there's positive energy. And, you know, we obviously want to try to stay around people who bring the positive energy out in our lives, you know? Well, I mean, do you think if, if someone, everyone goes to heaven, so then do you believe that ghosts exist? Like, oh, a, without a doubt. You, people, you know what? They just haven't gone up yet? Um, this is correct. This is correct. Okay. But the, there's a unique, we have, um, we have racial profiling against the word ghost because we have been taught since we're kids, a ghost is a scary thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Because just for the record, for every one positive movie that's made about spirituality, there's like a thousand negative horror movies made for every one positive, loving um, viewpoint, like um, Whoopi Goldberg's movie Ghost. The Ghost, Ghost yeah, yeah. More. You know what I mean? That was a positive movie that looked at it, you know, in a positive way. It wasn't the intention wasn't to scare somebody. It was to really. Um, open somebody's eyes to the possibility that we could be visited by, by our loved ones in spirit while we're still alive. Mm -hmm. So you could call it a ghost. Um, if it's an angelic being like one of the ascended masters or one of the goddesses, you could call it an, an angel because an angel okay. is, is a form of ghost because a ghost is another word for a spirit. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking of a ghost as an, in a negative way, if you can think of it as, okay, well, just for the record, I used to be petrified of ghosts, like petrified of it, okay? And um, it really got in the way. <laughs> Not bad. You know what I mean? Because life spirit was trying to pull me into a new area of my life of to do channeling and to help people and to channel a message for people and sometimes a person's mom or grandmother would show up to me while i'm writing a song for the person you know um and the it's thing a positive is, i there i'm not scared of ghosts we've lived in places where they're there and you can have full-on communication with them if you choose it's like having a roommate that sometimes right. you can see and sometimes you can't right <laughs> it's 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 really true. It really mm -hmm. is. And, and, and like one of the things that I would say to people, like at my workshops, if somebody said they were afraid of ghosts, I'm like, okay, well, tell me one of your relatives that is in spirit now that's not alive, that you love to the max. And, you know, usually people would say, oh, it was my grandmother or my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you think of that love that your grandmother, your grandfather has for you, mm -hmm. doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you feel warm and mm -hmm. loved and protected and everything? Okay, well, that's a lot better than calling your grandmother a ghost. Yeah. Because we have a negative connotation with the word ghost. But if you use the word spirit or something that's anything that's nicer than the word ghost, it, it makes it more friendly to even just talk about it. Yeah, I see. I don't I know people take it negatively. I, I don't. I just I just think that 
they're here to still have a conversation. You know what I mean? I'll just go interview spirits. How about that? That's, that's my thing. I mean, well, it's cool. I mean, there's some, there's a reason why you can, I mean, I remember our, our bass player passed away and I had more conversations and maybe it's just me having a conversation, whatever with his, you know, idea of him still being there. But it was, it's weird. I think sometimes you can have full on conversations, but, and I want to go to the music, the part, the music part with meditation and like even this album coming through, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Evren Ozan, um, young uh, Native American flute player, NAMI winner, just very young. He went to the Grand Canyon, he was nine years old. His mom gave him pocket money and he bought a Native American flute, which I know the woodpeckers, I think normally the first step in that um, woodpecker flute and he could play and I've watched him and he channel. there's no way he doesn't channel through I've watched him take his hands and and you know the notes are playing but he's brushing a fly or something like that and and lights go out I mean it's it's no matter what it's a trip there's this is <laughs> this is I mean seriously cool um and so it, it's interesting to me as a singer when you sing and you're in it to me like that is like the purest form of meditation I can get to in that you are in that note in that zone whether you're feeling the story or not there's this zone that is unwavering I can't explain other than singing or music like with him using breath work and I wondered that about that with you being you know connecting through to the other side meditation and flute playing does that all connect like in that zone is that part of it for you it is part of it and one of the things that I learned and realized um, was that our minds receive music and messages in different ways. Mm-hmm. So um, when you have a tempo in a song, it's about every second, right? Yeah. Heartbeat. So you can count subconsciously. When you're hearing a song that has a tempo, you're attached in this physical world because this physical world has time. The heavenly dimension doesn't have time, right? So if I stopped, if I stopped snapping, and if I uh, and if I played the flute, hold on a second, I'm gonna grab a flute. Cool. Cool, we get flute music. That was like a commercial break, right? Hey, yeah. Do, 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 do. I should have started singing yet. Yeah. He's coming. He's coming with his flute. Yeah. <laughs> Rum-bum-bum. Rum-bum-bum. That's like the little drummer boy, you know? Yeah, no, I have a friend who sings that to me all the time. Oh, okay. Our Hollywood history man, Steve Schneiker. Rum-bum-bum. Oh, hold on. So these are Renaissance flutes, right? Yeah, these are recorders. Everybody learns. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody learns this in the third grade. Okay. All right. So um, being that um, you just mentioned that song. So, um, okay. (laughs) So, so my point is that, you know, the tempo keeps your mind intact because in this physical world, we have time. Okay. Okay. But in the heavenly dimension, they don't have time. Okay. Time just doesn't exist. 
Um, it just doesn't exist. They don't have that there. You know, it's like we have gravity here. They don't have gravity over there. That's why everybody flies around all over the place because they don't have gravity. So gravity is a physical limitation that the heavenly dimension doesn't have. So instead and of- And you being, know this, wait, let me go back. You know this from connecting to the other side and then also the people that have, you know, passed and come back. That right. And also- They're reporting back. And also from- <clears throat> being part of the conferences for people who've had near-death experiences. And every single one of them, every single speaker, every person you meet who's had a near-death experience tells you two things. One, they're not afraid of death anymore because that dimension is an upgrade. It's beautiful mm -hmm. over there. It's, it's, cool. it's got a lot more bells and whistles than we have here in this physical world. Cool. You know, it's a step up vibration. This is boot camp. This is boot camp. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is the bottom. You don't have to worry about going anywhere lower than this because this is the bottom. Okay. Cool. So, so one thing is that people don't have a fear of death anymore. And the other thing that people who have had a near death experience is a near death experience usually share is that after their near death experience, they are more psychic than they were before. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for them to travel. It's easier for them to get messages. It's easier for them to get messages from their loved ones because they've been in full consciousness to that other dimension. Oh, cool. And it's like the lights went on. Oh, that's how it works. You know what I mean? And that's what people take back from their near-death experience. And so um, I have, through my own personal readings with people and all the events and all the spiritual things that I've been involved in in my life, I found that there are three ways that people really become psychic. One is through a near-death experience. Second is through losing somebody who they love so dearly that all of a sudden their desire to connect with that soul who is now in the heavenly dimension, that desire outweighs their mm -hmm. mental skepticism and their humanness of thinking, oh, this is crazy. Oh, this, is, this isn't real. It's just my imagination. One of the ways that you can tell that your spiritual experiences are real and are not your imagination is when you are surprised to see it. Ah, that's cool. Right? So if you're meditating and all of a sudden a dove flies by in your inner vision and you're like, I didn't think of that dove. Where'd that come from? Hmm. So that could be, see the other day I had a, a butterfly I was filming I was filming, following it, just in the zone. So it's kind of like in the music zone, right? You're in the zone. Because as soon as you move away, you've lost the, the filming, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's that same thing. And then it was done with its, its thistle flower. It flew up over my head, touched my hair. And I heard its wings. And now I don't know if it was just getting chilly and its wings were slowing down. But when do you hear a butterfly's wings? Like that's a rare, like I just, I mean, I stopped, I told my, our friends we were hiking. I'm like, dudes, <laughs> you know, I had this butterfly, I could hear the wings. Like this, it was like the slow motion. I mean, it, there's no way anybody would tell me I'm cuckoo. That happened. That happened. And it was bizarre. You know, I, I want to tell you that this whole concept of cuckoo 
That well, is I mean, almost like, yeah. I, I know what you mean. That's and civilization. I know I, See, yeah, that's yeah. society and civilization stuff. But what I'm, what I want to say to you is that talking or sharing one of those experiences now in 2022 is very, you get a very different reception mm. versus 2012 or yeah. 2002, because 10 or 20 years ago, that was before the, the TV show, The Long Island Medium. That was before, you know what I mean? We, All we did this- psychic shows for years. I mean, years doing them. I don't know if you know, Mark Ireland is dead. Um, it's on the Steve Allen show and I'm not gonna, Richard Ireland. It's been a long time, but we've done a lot of, you know, and it, and it always blew my mind because there was no doubt in some of the things that happened, there was no doubt. You couldn't argue it. You just had, you know, and there was, I couldn't believe the, the audience, which it was the top thing we did. And then it just, it just, it went crazy. <laughs> it just really yeah. got, well, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, yeah, I know just, how you mean it. I yeah. understand. The thing is, is that there's nothing more exciting for a human being than to realize that there's more than life on earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It's like, I don't like calling aliens aliens. Just yeah, you don't know. <laughs> I have a screenplay and um, one of the characters in my screenplay, um, she, she's an alien, right? And so her, her, she's telling her boyfriend, you know, she's not from here. And he's saying, well, you know, everybody in LA is from somewhere else. You know? <laughs> yeah, she's right. like, uh, and she's like, no, I don't mean like I'm from here. I'm from, I'm from another planet. I'm from another galaxy. And so her boyfriend says, so you're an alien? And she says, please don't call me that. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. See, but that, but you see, that's the whole thing. We, we box things in according to fear. Right. It is about fear. Exactly. And I think that's what I was saying um, about listening to the album, Love Wins. You know, that's what I'm saying. I just, I wrote down, let go. It's like a let go. Like, and I think that we are so dominated by this fear but it's really, fear is not real. It, I mean, it really, I mean, I understand we have that as a protection emotion mm-hmm. in our bodies. You know, don't step on the snake, you know, you'll get bitten and the snake doesn't want you to step on him, you know, but so we have to have those emotional things as human beings on this plane right now. But we've created this, you know, it's like what I was talking about. You could walk through an area and someone with real negative or positive, you're going to feel whatever their energy is, right? Whatever they've left there for that moment. I think that is kind of what's happened in this entire world right now. And I'm talking about this plane right now with time and all of that, um, that we've manifested fear to a crazy level, not a positive. So it's kind of like the other side. You know? I'm really glad you bring that up because one of the things that I um, that I talk about at my at, at my events recently that I've started to do again because you know I stopped doing my events for the last couple of years during COVID, sure. but the last five years has been so unbelievably crazy. Like there are things that we have seen on on the news this last five years that are just mind blowing. And so they're so crazy, the things that, that have been happening, that the positive part about all this crazy shift in life that we've seen the last five years, 
is that the spiritual things do not sound so crazy anymore because the whole world and, and life has gotten so crazy. This spiritual stuff doesn't sound so crazy anymore. That's a good point. That's a good. Well, I think the music really helps because I think it's it goes with your consciousness and subconsciousness. And like you were talking about time, like our bodies resonate when I think it's got to do with our heartbeat in some way that we understand time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if, when you play music in the car and you watch somebody walk down the street, aren't they always walking to the music you're playing in the car? Like almost, you know, depends, you know, there's, there's sure. a connection. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, we just, we, yeah, we're, it's a little crazy out there, but we do, we can shift it the other side you know, if we want to. The song, the other side of the clouds. Yes, yes, which we're going to play at the end. Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to talk a little bit about why I made the music video for that. Yeah. Because that song was recorded um, in in February of 2022, and then last month, um, after there was that big killing of the all those kids in the in that school in in Texas. Mm. Uvalde, um, yeah. In Uvalde, and I realized that a lot of the a lot of the words in the song, The Other Side of the Clouds, could, have, could be helpful for people who are watching these kids and human beings being senselessly killed for, for no reason at all. And um, my purpose of making the video was to show people, because um, there's parts in the video where you have children in heaven reconnecting with their grandparents in heaven, oh, you know? Nice. And, you know, some of the words of the song are um, on the other side of the clouds. I hear children's voices singing so proud in every color, no judgment allowed. And everyone's happy mm. because we have, um, you know, it's amazing how we've been taught these things, certain things about life that are so completely wrong, you know? Like, really, you think that because one person's skin is a different color than yours and you get to go to heaven and they don't? Mm -hmm. Like, if God created us, created us all in its image, and I'm not saying God created, you know, not necessarily physically in its image, but our soul, is created in God's image. I think mm -hmm. that's the the deeper meaning of what that means. You know when, you know. Yeah, what I'm and saying? I think the I think you know when we look at God and heaven and spirituality, it's kind of religion itself. You know, we boxed ourselves and used religion as fear too. I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of wars is created over religious yeah. beliefs. Yeah. And so there's that other part of the let go, let people be who they are. There, we, we, if we don't understand, we tend to have fear. So when I was a little kid in Kenya, I was pretty much the only white kid at school. In fact, I was, it was Snow White nursery school. It was the, you know, and I yeah. was the white kid. And, you know, there were kids that beat me up, spat on me because they didn't know what I was. And that's a blessing. They didn't hit me to hurt me. They were trying to make me shorter because I was taller than the men. Some of them were Maasai. I had long blonde hair. They didn't know what that was. And they're, you know, in their culture, the women shave their heads, the men had long hair braided. So it's, you know, 
So it was a cultural thing, but it was like, what are you? So the fear, you know, I was on the other side of racism, but it wasn't meant as racism, mm. but it was challenging. And we got along, we had our things, but it, you know, when I look back at childhood, it was fear and the unknown. And once we get past that, then we can get into really living actually so yeah, i think right. you know all of this is still fear it is still fear not you know the racism and it's just fear and we're manifesting it instead of facing the fear and just going and asking how somebody is you know we travel the country we pets it as we travel since covid our tourism thing had to change a little and we're not pet sitting for money it's just a whole cool thing we get to hang out with animals have good internet and it's a very immersive experience where we're sitting down with people, different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, different things, but are we're united over the love of animals and nature and travel. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't believe how many friends we have. That's like a mini family where we're talking every day. How's this cat doing over here? Did this one get a lizard again? Or, you know, how's this surgery going over for this person? So we are all very connected in that way. Um, and we didn't need religion to tell us what to do. We didn't need politicians to tell us. We didn't need society rules. We just learned mm -hmm. to connect on a true basis. Well, so, one of the, yeah. if, if you went back in time, um, one of the things that separated people was oceans, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. And sure. so if you, if you grew up in Africa, chances are you really weren't likely to ever go to North America because there was an ocean separating you, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or China or, or some other continent. And the thing is that people on every continent, they speak a different language than other people. Sure. So let, let's say on this, cat, this continent, um, like I see the map that's behind you over on, on the right side of your screen. Okay, so let's say that somebody in South America who speaks Spanish is having a spiritual experience. Let's say they had a near-death experience. Cool. Okay. And let's say because they um, they grew up in South America in a tribe, let's say in their near, their near-death experience, they re reconnected with some chief that was his grandfather or, or somebody like this who was really respected and really spiritual. You know what I mean? So this person ha has that experience in his language with somebody in his language from his country, his culture and everything, right? Now let's say another person in Africa has a similar kind of near-death experience, right? And whoever is the spiritual guide that he looks up to, you know what I mean? Let's say he was a Christian. Okay, Jesus appears to him. Let's say he was Jewish. Okay, let's say Moses appears to him. Let's say he was a, a, a Hindu. Let's, let's say um, Krishna appeared to him. Cool. Okay, but let's say that there's four different people who experience that in four different languages. If they didn't have a translator, like most people didn't have 2,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago, these people could be hating each other because one person is calling this six and the other person is calling it a half a dozen. Oh my God, this is, you can't call it a half a dozen. The other guy says, you can't call it six, but it's the same thing. But they're mm -hmm. just talking about it with different words. This is so, what Nancy says, the hot, what, hot, why everybody's yelling about the Bible. <laughs> <'Cause it's>, right. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. 
Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Christians yeah. call it the Holy Spirit, right? The um, Hindus call it the Bani. The Buddhists mm -hmm. call it the sound current. We're talking about the same thing. It's it's the spirit. It's, it's semantics, people. <laughs> right. So what's important? The, the important thing is that we can understand each other and see what we have in common with other people. Because, you know, yeah. in, this, in this physical realm, we are taught that if you grew like I grew up Jewish, right? There was never, ever a reason to talk about Jesus or to go into a church or anything. That was, that was not on the menu of possibilities in my childhood, you know? And everything in, with religions in this physical world, it looks like it's a competition. Oh, gee, how many, how many followers did Buddha get today? And how many followers did Krishna oh, get or did, did Jesus get or did Moses get? You know, it looks like there's a competition because most people either go to that church or that synagogue or that temple. Nobody goes to all these different temples normally, generally, right? But from the heavenly perspective, it's not a competition because Moses and Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Mother Mary and all the archangels and all of them they are all on the same team. They're all yeah. trying to work together to get humanity to see that they are one team. And if you have a hard time talking about God, because this religion talks about it, it looks like God looks like this and that religion, God looks like that. But let's just simplify it. Let's just call God the creator. That's to me. Yeah, I call it mother nature, but everybody's. Well, I think it's connected. So it's it's. I, it it shouldn't be an arg it shouldn't be any source of argument it shouldn't be it really shouldn't it shouldn't be i mean theoretically all these wars that have started over it and we're still fighting over it it's it's insane it's like you know we're we're fighting over land we're fighting over water we're fighting over everything instead of going how do we work together to save the land to save the water and keep it clean you know <laughs> so i think it, it's a it's a positive message and with music, do you do you feel we always talk about it being the universal language? Who doesn't see that about music? Do you mm -hmm. feel like with what you do too that it is? I mean, you played the flute. I mean, talk about the Pied Piper the whole time. You've got your flutes down, and the first thing that came to me is like, he's the Pied Piper. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the Piper will call us to reason. Those That's are lyrics. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite songs from the seventies. Yeah. You know, yeah, Stairway to Heaven. You know, the Piper yep, will call us to reason. You know. Um, so what I was the reason why I put the flutes together was because I was trying I wanted to show you an example of the difference right. of so you know when when you have a tempo it's easy to keep track of how much time is going by but if your eyes are closed and you hear me play something like time you think went by i have no idea that's right because there was no tempo mm. so when one of the things that i found out when i was when i started to play the flute at venice beach in 1990 
Oh, you know, I was cool, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was a rock musician before that. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I ran out of money. I was really in trouble. And I met a girl, a woman down at Venice Beach. We started playing and we made these tapes and these CDs eventually called Celestial Winds. And, you yeah. know, when, yeah, 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 those I sold 100,000 CDs under the name Celestial Winds before I went solo. And then I sold a million CDs after that. Um, but the the goal when you're playing music on the street is to attract a crowd. Mm-hmm. Because if you attract a crowd, then people are throwing money in your basket. And that crowd attracts more people because other people are walking down the beach and going, wow, what is all those people over, over there looking at? You know what I mean? So the goal is to attract a crowd. And I found that there was one thing that I could do after I attracted the crowd that could make everybody disappear in about 30 seconds. And that was for me to do this. If I played a lot of notes, people would just leave. But if I played these long soaring notes that make you feel like, wow, that's just Mm. so deep and spiritual, people would stay for a long time. Oh, yeah. And Venice Beach, man, I think that's... um... When did you do that in Venice Beach? I did that 1990 to 1992. And I used oh. to wear this white puffy shirt at Venice Beach between that time period. And I actually wore it for 10 years on every album cover I made for about 10 years. Right. But on. that's where uh, the writers of Seinfeld got the idea for the puffy shirt. Puffy shirt, the puffy shirt, right? Well, you yeah. know, Venice Beach, I think, is probably one of the coolest places in this country because it's like whatever anybody wants to do, they do. I mean, you've got the guy on the skateboard, you've got the umbrella lady. I don't, I wonder if she's still out there, the umbrella lady, you know, but we used to take people there. If it's the first time in the country, bring them there. And we took this group of Irish veterinarian students that we met in a wine barrel stomping grapes up in the mountains in San Diego and Julian. And it's a crazy time. We ended up going to Venice Beach the next day And they come to the States every year and they're like, this is the best place ever. There was the drum circle out on the beach. There were all these things happening. And they're like, people are just absolutely being themselves and just doing as, you know, what we say, you know, that's the, you know, woo woo crazy. And Venice Beach is like, let it all hang out, you know. You know, I want to tell you that the the whole (laughs) thing of woo woo crazy, it's it's kind of like, Fading into well, the past. Because I think science has also, you know, we was talk about this on the show all the time that, you know, the cloth and science have started to hold hands. And I think it, it was so important to have that scientific side to, to show, hello, you know. And I think also the internet has helped for people to connect. You know, it's totally true. And before COVID at the last conference for near-death experiences um, that I was at, they really, um, they came, they, the scientist gave us some information that made so much sense because a hundred years ago, before the science had been developed to where it is developed, um, if somebody had a heart attack, they just usually died. But 75 years ago, they got those electric, um, you know, Mm -hmm. the pads of life, you know what I mean, with that big Mm -hmm. electric shock they would put on people. And once they developed that technology, doctors found a way to bring people back 
from the dead and give them another chance in life because they were able to bring people back to life. Right. Because so many, the large percentage of people who had some serious physical ailment, like a heart attack or something like that, the majority of those people just died. That was the end of their life. Hmm. But over the last 75 years, since they invented those electrical, mm -hmm. you know, those those things. Paddles, the zappers. The, yeah, the, the paddles, right. <clears throat> since they invented that, they've been able to bring back people back to life. And so now there's millions of people that would have ordinarily died that came back to their body after their near-death experience. And those are the people who are sharing with other people. Hey, this is what it's like. Nobody over there is thinking about religion the way you guys are thinking about religion down here. Nobody over there is afraid of death because it's it's a big freaking party up there. Cool. Everybody's cool. families are getting together and your friends and the people from your bands who died young are still, still up there, you know, yep. finding new people to play with, you know. That's cool. And I, I can tell you some. Yeah, that takes away fear. Absolutely. I can tell you something about a near-death experience that most people don't realize because everybody, when I say everybody, so many people who had that experience have the experience where they're flying through the tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There's all this beautiful energy, like loving energy everywhere, right? Now, what people have been told is that that energy in that tunnel is God's energy. Mm. Now, in a way, that's true on one level. But additionally, besides it being God's energy and the, the higher frequency of a higher dimension, of a higher heavenly dimension, right? But what also adds to that giant frequency of love in people with people who are in that tunnel is because when we start heading down that tunnel or up that tunnel, our loved ones in heaven are notified and okay. so not only are we feeling God's love while we're traveling through that tunnel, we're feeling the love of our loved ones on the other side of the tunnel because they're excited that you're getting closer to them because yeah. they can't wait to communicate with you and tell you that they love you and show you where everybody lives up there and, you know, how, how happy everybody is up there. Well, I believe that because energy, I mean, you can feel energy. That's what we were talking about, the, ne the negative, the positive you can feel energy. You can feel an energy before you open a door into a room. If you want to, if you can feel energy of a house. You, exactly. know, you can walk down the street and you can feel it. You can feel those things. So it makes sense to me and it's vibrations, right? So I think when we go back to science, there's a vibration and is it a positive, negative? How is that vibration feeling? So that's why I go back to music being very tied to all of this, whether, you know, meditation helps with clarity and that focus that you know that being in that zone I, that's all i can explain on that part and that portal if you will mm -hmm. so i feel that same thing with music like when i would sing or play you know flute recorders you're in that zone and so at the same time there's vibration going on and that to me is where music is when we say universal language it's so much bigger than what we just kind of throw around with those words. It is this vibrational language. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've done lots of soundtrack work with different television shows and, and movies. And one of the things that I, I thought was just a coincidence in the beginning is like, let's say there was a scene that was a romantic scene. 
right? Now, if I, you know, I've recorded like 50 albums of instrumental music and about 15 albums of vocal music. Love Wins is the, the newest vocal album that I've done. But if I were to um, let's let's look at it like this. Let's say it's five o'clock, five o'clock mm -hmm. exactly. And let's say you think about somebody that you haven't thought about for 20 years. Okay. You had no logical reason to think about this person. And it's five o'clock when that mm. thought comes through. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, wow, I wonder, I wonder why I'm thinking about that person. And then at 5.01, your phone rings and it's that person on the phone. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I was just thinking about you and I haven't thought about you in so long. I can't believe the synchronicity of this. Right. Let's back up a second. At five o'clock, that person you haven't spoke to in 20 years is thinking about you and is getting ready to dial your number and you pick up the frequency of that love from your friend you haven't talked to in 20 years. So the same way you were able to pick up that frequency because they were thinking about you. That exactly. is the same way that our loved ones in heaven, when we think about them, that they can pick up our thoughts. Don't they say like um, when you're talking about someone, like your nose will itch or your ears, your ears are ringing, you know, that yeah, right. Your ears are. that's it. Yeah, the ears ringing are better than a nose itch. But uh, <laughs> so I think so. Yeah, I think it is connected in regards yeah. to you know, we, we've known these things for years, but never, you know, synchronicity. Um, oh, wow, we've done so many shows on synchronicity, but it is connectivity. And I believe it is a scientific, uh, Dr. Bernard Breitbart, I think, ooh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Ah, done way too many interviews. <laughs> I've, I've written four books about synchronicity. Um, the first one is called Divine Inner Guidance which is about the incredible things that happen when you listen to your intuition, as well as the incredible things that happen if you don't listen to your intuition. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because one, one batch is incredibly great and the other batch is incredibly mm. the opposite okay. of great. You know, so Divine Inner Guidance is the first book I wrote. And then the second book that I wrote, I got a publishing deal for in 2014 called Channeling Harrison about my experiences that I had with George Harrison between 2010 and 2013. And I, um, I was not a Beatles fan. I was a Led Zeppelin fan, ACDC, Jethro Tull. I, yeah. I liked hard rock music and I was a little too young. I was born in 1961 to be a Beatles fan, you know? So when George Harrison started appearing in my life in 2010, I, I couldn't understand why he was interested in me because I seriously, sincerely wasn't interested in him. You know what I mean? It was like he was off my ra radar. You know, I never as you, when you're a guitar player, you learn, you emulate your favorite guitar players. So I yeah. emulated Jimmy Page and, you know, the different hard rock guitar players that I liked. So when when George Harrison started appearing in my bedroom, in my recording studio, when I started dating this woman who on my third date, she asked me what the highlight of my career was. And I said it was when Paul McCartney started a standing ovation for me in 1999. After I told her the story, she said, well, did you know that George Harrison used to babysit me when I was a kid? Oh, that's weird. Like, see, like, well, what do you mean by that? She said, well, my mom and dad went to the same yoga ashram 
as George went to in Tucson, Arizona. Remember that Beatles song, Jojo left his home in yeah, Tucson? Yeah, you know, our, our storage unit is in Tucson. Oh, that's why I'm telling you this story. Okay, so her mom and dad went to that yoga studio, the, the ashram, the yoga ashram in Tucson, Arizona. And her mom and dad split up and her dad left the ashram and her mom met George at the ashram. They fell in love. And a couple of months later, George moved her and her mom to England and she grew up in Friars Park. Wow. Wow. So you could be a skeptic and you could say, oh, well, that's way too old, right? But I have been having wild experiences with George Harrison for three months before I met this woman. And so it wasn't, how could I be logical and not make a connection between this incredible synchronicity? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, you know, synchronicity is, it's, it's a part of manifestation too, but it's consciousness and not, not conscious. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah. it builds, but it's, it, you're not, you're not building it, but you are in it in a, and not, I can't explain that part of it, but it's, there is a synchronicity that comes from it, it's trying to hit you over the head and say, hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those type of experiences. Right. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm glad you said that because that's what I felt like for the first three years of my experiences with George. Mm. Now you have to understand that when I was 22, I got into meditation and spirituality. I didn't have a beer, a glass of wine, a joint, even chocolate or coffee for 30 oh, years, no, you know, no. and these experiences with, with him ha happened when I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. I wasn't smoking anything. I wasn't drinking anything. It was just, it was just natural that that was happening. And it got to a certain point where I thought, you know, I'm trying to be skeptical because we're taught to be skeptical, but how intelligent is, is it to be skeptical? when this and that and the other thing and five and 10 and 20 and 30 and 100 and 200 things all happen that I can't explain. And they're all connected to George Harrison who I never cared about. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then I'm dating this woman who, who happens, you know, was like his stepdaughter because she grew up in his house and he, he used to babysit her like, like it was his own kid That's when funny. she was a little girl. You know, how That's many funny. times can you have a synchronicity knock you over the head before you think there's got to be something to this, there's got to be a reason for it. And it's not woo woo. That's well, you know, the lady I told you about in the beginning of our conversation that had died and come back. Mm -hmm. She she used to film with George Harrison and hang out with him. She just posted his photo the other day, like maybe a week on Facebook talking about him. I have no intention of talking to you about that at all today. <laughs> I'm only going to talk about Love Lynn. Well, it's funny because every time I think of her, I think of because it happened in the Alps and everything when she, when she had this accident. But she's always talking about George Harrison and, and always posting this photo when he especially hey, you know what? the anniversary of his death. Maybe you can show the the photo on your show. Yeah, I'll I'll talk to her and see what we could do because she, she's cool. She's a great singer, too. Yeah. So it, it's a it's see things are connected. That's that's why we're the blend because you cannot chop one thing off and can't just be interested in one thing. If you're interested in gardening, you're interested in nature. If you're in, inter, interested in nature, 
you're interested in love and you're interested in travel. See what I mean? So it's all connected. That's how it all works. That's in our minds anyway. But before you go, because this has been a cool conversation, did we know it was going to go this way? You did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. No, no. But um, tell us about your friends on the album because they've been on some of our friends' albums too. That's cool. Oh, man. I'll tell you, working with Tony Levin and Jerry Murata was amazing. I mean, I've, I've worked with the, the greatest musicians in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and Minneapolis and New York. Yeah, I've made like over 60 albums of music wow. with a lot of the greatest musicians in the world. So um, Tony Levin, I had, um, I, I met him because he was doing a book signing in Rochester where I was living at the time. And um, I saw it advertised on Facebook and I'm like, wow, he's my, he's one of the greatest bass players who's ever lived. And um, he's played on every Peter Gabriel album and on every Peter Gabriel tour. And one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is there's this uh, Peter Gabriel live concert called Secret World. And of course, Tony Levin is playing on that. And that, that, that's my favorite concert video to watch um, of all time. So, you know, I met Tony Levin at this book signing and I had one of my books there and we traded books. And I, what had happened was that I had just finished recording the original version of Love Wins that half of the oh, songs wow. were different. Half of the mm. songs were different because the original songs that I recorded were all songs that I had written for clients that would be helpful to a client that I had right. written for a client in, in, a, in one of my psychic greeting sessions, you know? And um, so... I had played the bass and, you know, when I met Tony Levin, I, I said, you know, what would you think about me hiring you to play two songs on the album? You know, I'd already, it was already being mixed. It was in the final stages of it, you know? And so, you know, we made an, an agreement and arrangement um, and that started the conversation, but we got along so well um, that I ended up hiring them to play on the, complete album of love wins and there was actually uh yeah there were a lot more songs than just the 11 songs that are on this love Wins. oh wow wow so um he knew jerry murata and i had um i had met jerry murata a couple of years earlier um he lives in woodstock um because i was on a weekend vacation in woodstock and i had gone to some place that i wouldn't have ordinarily have gone i went to see a steely dan tribute band and um, I watched this whole set and I just couldn't believe how incredibly great this drummer was because, you know, I've worked with a lot of the greatest drummers in the world. And for that 45 minute set, every single hit he hit was perfect. It was like, well, how could somebody mm-hmm. possibly play that perfect? You know what I mean? There was no human error. It was perfect. And when you have a drummer who has to be perfectly in time, it was like, it was incredible. So, you know, I spoke to him after I got his number, we exchanged information. And then when the whole thing came together with Tony Levin, I figured, you know, I'll call Jerry Murata and um, Jerry is part owner. He runs a studio called Dreamland Recording Studios. Mm-hmm. And um, so I took the original tracks that were recorded of Love Wins of me and the mandolin player and, and, and the the woman who played the bowls and sang the harmonies and stuff. I took those tracks down to Woodstock to Dreamland Recording Studios and we overdubbed 
Tony Levin's bass, where he had all these different basses. You know, sometimes he played with a bow, sometimes he played with his fingers. And, oh, wow. and Jerry Murata, he played drums and percussion. And so they played on the original 10 songs from Love Wins. And then we recorded another 10 songs. Cool. Um, and then eventually I took half of the songs from the original Love Wins and half the songs that we had recorded afterwards. And then I made the final Love Wins that you can see now. Oh, it's awesome. And there's a part um, on one of the songs with this like deep cello sound that is just so grounding. It just, there's, there's, there's just such good music. The instrumentation is amazing on this and it Thanks. just does make you feel good. You do. If it, it feels like some of the songs, you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a party." This feels good. It's happy music, you know. No, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, well, just for the record, that instrument that sounds like a cello is actually an acoustic electric upright bass that Tony is playing with a bow. It's not. Wow. It's not cello, but it sounds so similar to. Yeah, because it really. I was like, "What is that?" You know, it's a cello, but I'm not 100 sure. So that's good to know. I didn't. Yeah. How Man, cool. I, I I loved working with Tony so much that if you saw me with a smile between February of 2022, February, March, and April of 2022, if you saw me with a smile, it was either because I was in a room playing with Tony Levin or I was listening to music that I played with, with Tony Levin and, and Jerry Marotta, you know. That's and then, awesome. And then Tony's... Uh, brother Pete Levin who was a great keyboard player he played the organ and the piano in that album and now for my live performances I have an amazing amazing piano player who's played with James Taylor for 12 years his name is Clifford Carter I played with James Taylor and Art Gar Garfunkel and oh. um, he, he's actually making the audiobook of Channeling Harrison so Channeling Harrison the written book was released in 2014. And right now we are finishing the audiobook that has a complete soundtrack of music under me doing the narration. And then that's going to be done around around um, October 28th or begin November, some, something like that. You know, that's when that's oh. going to come. So did you plan the album to come out October 28th? So it'll be there right before Halloween? <laughs> So um, you know, you know, we talk about synchronicities and stuff, right? Um, I will be speaking and performing in Birmingham, England on October 28th, 29th and 30th awesome. for the for the Body, Mind, Spirit Expo. And oh, okay. so that's my first time speaking and performing in England. I've been there on vacation stuff, but I've never performed there or done one of my portal between heaven and earth meditation events so on the the way this all worked out is that on the the first day i'm going to be speaking in england that is the day love wins comes out around the world Perfect. yeah we didn't plan that but you know whoever's up there planning this you know they get an extra 10 points for working that out for the same there's day. trippy things in england and there's like little fairies and everybody thinks i'm nuts about that but i do believe there are fairy beings and in england and you go up even scotland wales the Anyway, yes, there's there's beings, me, there's magical beings there. I'm just saying. Let me tell you a little bit about about the fairies. First of all, before I started doing my meditation events in 2014, you couldn't talk to me about fairies, you know, because I, 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 I wouldn't have had that conversation because that was way too woo woo for me. 
But when I started doing my meditation events in 2014, um, sometimes three or four or five people each night in the beginning, when I first started doing this, would explain that these miniature fairies that could fly and they were, they looked just like, you know, in the beginning of the Walt Disney show, you know, they have those two fairies that come up and they throw sparkles everywhere. And people would describe it was just like that. And I later found out that the reason why Walt Disney put those two Tinkerbell fairies in the intro of his show was because he had taken these very interesting mushrooms while he was in Mexico, where he experienced those fairies. Are and he figured if he, put those, yeah, if he put those fairies in the beginning of his television show, anybody else who had seen those fairies, especially kids, because kids are more open to that stuff. Yep. They, would, they would see the, the beginning of that show with those two fairies come out with the fairy dust and think, there's my peeps. See, and you don't need to take the magic mushrooms to see that, honestly. There was a lady on it was right in the beginning of our shows. I mean, it's like 15 years ago, maybe. She had a book on fairies and I read it and I really connected with it. And I saw fairies and I'm now everyone's like, no, it's in your brain. You imagined it. You're just getting, you know, you're one of those with the imagination. And I'm like, I saw fairies. And she talked, she went around the world documenting fairies and seeing them. And she went to Mexico and there's male fairies and there's a different kind of fairy like animal species right and they pinch your butt they're naughty they're like the trickster coyote kind of thing and <laughs> so she was talking about it. so anyway I was talking about and we were on our one of our psychic shows and the psychics all went off of me saying no there's no such thing as fairies there's angels and I'm like I know what I saw and I'm not tripping out I wasn't taking drugs you know I do like my wine but I wasn't you know messed up I like and so what if if you don't believe it if I got enjoyment from it, I'm okay with that. So I saw fairies and I will stand by the fairies. And when we were in South Africa, there's an artist, Ruby. Oh, I can't remember her last name, but Ruby. Tuesday? Ruby, Ruby Tuesday? No, not Ruby Tuesday, but oh. she's a sweet little lady. She has a museum there now. She paints fairies. Uh, like if you take a square inch, she'd have four or five fairies within that square inch. She'd paint them with one little brush. Um, little hair on her brush so you go in her house or they had a gallery with her art you would see gazillions of villages of fairies and scenes all within all these little square inches of art but it would show one big picture she had a fairy garden her her everything was fairied and flowered and just in different it's different dimensions that she's working and it's a whole trip like how do you do a gazillion fairies in a square inch and then have a greater fairy picture that's huge on the wall. Like, don't yep. tell me there's no fairies. Right, I'm with you, <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I would have never had this convers that conversation 10 years ago or 20 years ago, because I thought that that just sounded crazy to me. But no, it's okay. One of the ways that I, that really, one of the things that really opened up my mind to spirituality and these things, and it's gonna sound funny, was by coming to my own events. Because when I started doing these, these events in 2014, I was promoting my book, Channeling Harrison. And I, I had these incredible things that these PowerPoints that I could show people that, that had been manifested that were, you just couldn't make these things up. And so after showing the PowerPoint and 
telling stories for a half hour, 45 minutes. I would tell the audience, okay, everybody close your eyes. I'm gonna play the flute for about 20, 25 minutes. Meditate, go into a peaceful place and um, I'll let you know when the meditation is over, you know? And so after 20, 25 minutes, I would bring people back into their bodies and everything. And these people started sharing their experiences. And these were experiences that I had never had. Like I had never had an interdimensional experience with one of my loved ones where they, they spoke to me or appeared to me in a meditation, you know? Um, so when the first woman shared that her grandmother appeared to her and showed her all around heaven, connected her to her loved ones that had already transitioned there. And, you know, she got messages to give to her cousins and, you know, to other people still alive on earth, you know, when this person was sharing this, I never heard that before. I'm a musician. I'm a classically trained musician. You know, nobody ever taught us about anything like that in music school. You know, so when that person shared that, the, the first person, I was, I couldn't roll my eyes at this person because yes. I'm in front, front of the audience, you know. Um, I couldn't say some of the crazy things I would have normally said growing up in Brooklyn when somebody would share something like that. Kind of you Brooklyn, know? holy cow. You know? <laughs> um, so uh, the only thing I could say was, well, does anybody else want to share anything? You know, because I didn't know what to say when she, the first person shared that and the second person shared the same thing, except it was her mom. Mm. And then people shared about being visited by fairies and all these different See? things. And so the way I learned about the reality of these spiritual things is by being at my own events where people were sharing their experiences in that reality with those angelic beings. And I have to tell you something. You can hear something the first couple of times and be skeptical. But in the first six months I was doing those events, over 500 people shared that their mom or their grandmother or their best friend from childhood showed up to them. There must have been, must have been 300 people who shared their experiences with the fairies and they all described in the exact same way. See, see, but that's, but it's, about communicating it and I think that's the thing before it was like it was you don't say that otherwise they're going to say you're schizophrenic or so I wonder how many people have been put in an actual loony bin for actually having real experiences that are not loony you know what I mean exactly exactly I wonder um, how many people have gone through that and they're like no you're nuts no I mean kids always have an invisible friend right well, that's because kids are born in the theta. Mm -hmm. You've everybody's heard of the alpha state. Mm -hmm. It's right. in the beta state in our minds. Well, this the state where we have out of body experiences is the theta state. And when we're born, because our logical mind has not been developed yet, the first seven years of our life, we're living in the theta state of which is basically kids are living in an out-of-body state. Exactly. Okay. And so it's so easy for them to talk about grandma. In our last life, I was your mom. And we used to wear these clothes that looked like this, you know, and we lived in a house that looked like that, you know, 
And then the, and then the grandmother thinks the kid's crazy, right? And then a couple of years go by and the grandmother goes to a, a psychic to get a reading and the psychic tells them the same thing that the five-year-old told them a couple of years earlier. See, that's, that's funny. That, I mean, but that's really what's going on. So yeah, this is, what a conversation, David. Thanks. Well, you know- <laughs> Do you feel younger now? Yeah, oh, I do. I, I had do. to go full circle. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> to do full circle but it's been it's been a delight it's really been a delight and everyone we're going to close with the song the other side of the clouds we've been talking about that again the album love wins comes out october 28th so go get it you can go to davidyoungmusic.com and encourage you to go to david young music on youtube on facebook instagram have i got it all well, on instagram your david young soul ascension yeah so check that out and uh, of course keep up with us here at bigblendradio.com Thank you so much, David. It truly has been a pleasure. My pleasure. Namaste. Everybody in the world is going crazy. Everybody in the world is looking to find
Everybody.